Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Agile Uprising podcast. My name is Janae, and I am one of the members serving on the Agile Uprising board. Thank you so much for joining us. For your listening pleasure, we are happily revisiting the 12 Days of Agile podcast series that this group released a few years ago, where one episode was dedicated to each of the 12 principles from the Agile Manifesto. In this episode, we have Andy Clef, Jay Hersko, and Andrew Leff covering principle number seven, which is working software is the primary measure of progress. In this episode, these guys talk about the principle and what it means to them, the various ways it can be interpreted, and it is so good. I know I may be a little biased here, but honestly, this was a real pleasure to listen to. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I think you guys will too. There was, uh, it was a very thought-provoking debate over the kind of the nuanced definition of working software, an exploration of this principle in relation to the rest, some consideration of how it could maybe even possibly be rewritten to be updated a little bit or taken to, you know, take into account different contexts. And uh, Jay was owning himself for never shipping anything to prod. And I think they used about 17 different food and restaurant metaphors which I'm pretty used to working in Agile, but it was really impressive (laughs) and it made me hungry. (laughs) Uh, So without further ado, let's kick off this episode with Andy, Jay, and Andrew. And I really hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. Hi, this is Ron Jeffries. You're listening to the Agile Uprising podcast. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me seven swans to swimming. Six geese laying, five golden rings, four calling boyards, three French hisens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. Hello, and welcome to the seventh episode of the 12 Principles of Agile. Working software is the primary measure of progress is our topic tonight, and I'm pleased to be joined by Andrew Leff. Good evening, sir. Good evening. And Jay, who has not enough vowels in his last name, Herskal. Good evening. <laughs> Hello. Great to have you guys with us. So we're, we're going to go through um, four or five different topics here. And, and if you've been listening, our dear audience, to the previous six, you'll be familiar with most of them. Why is this principle important? share some personal examples where this principle is not paid heed to, what resulted. How might you change this principle given what we've learned in the last 15 years since the manifesto was written? And wrapping it up with two more questions. If we wanted to challenge our listeners regarding this principle, how would we? And our favorite one is, if we were to rewrite the original verse of the carol, what would we title this step? So let's start with number one. Uh, this is a toss-up. Whoever grabs it gets to go first. Why, why is working software as the primary measure of progress important? Okay, I'll start with this one, which is ironic considering how I'm going to answer some of the later questions. Uh, at the, you know, the big thing with Agile is a lot of blog posts, books, conversations always come back to delivering value right? You need to deliver value. What is more valuable than working software? 
at the end of the day, that's how we succeed. That's how we fail. That's how we're, that's how we should be judged. We're not always judged, but that's how we as agilists, as um, professionals in the, in software development or anywhere you use this stuff, um, you should be judging your results and the value you derive and working software. If you're doing software development is the easiest way to show value. Um, status reports and plans are quite ephemeral, but something working code and production is the arbiter by which we should all be judged. And that's why I think it's one of the more important, uh, they're all important, but I think one of the most important uh, principles. What do you think, Andrew? So it's, it's funny. I was going to chime in and interrupt you because I like to be the interrupting cow to the horse cow. Um, but no, um, to me, it's, it's really not, it's, we're not, so delivering software is a is a, a way that we show how to del- or if we're delivering value to me it's a way they can monitor how we're measuring right so it's almost a metric as to how we're doing if we're delivering software so in my opinion a lot of organizations don't know how to measure value they don't do it before they adopt more of an agile principle or mindset and even afterwards, they seem to falter or fail in that, what are we delivering? So are we delivering something? We asked for a, a horse, but we delivered a bird. You know, does it matter? No, we delivered. We hit the date. So it, it, it's just, it's sort of meaningless. <laughs> I shipped it. Did it work? I shipped it. Yeah. Did it work? <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts, Andy Clef? Well, it's fascinating. So as as you talked about PowerPoint, right? You you can you can define your strategy. You can create these brilliant visible visuals in your in your PowerPoint and show them and and enjoy that. But how will you know if you're building the right thing that your end users will love? So I want to throw out there as a question: Is it necessary in today's environment to make it working software? Can you learn, can you make progress without working software? You you jazzed yourself there, Jay. You said, you know, I, I haven't shipped in some time, but are you making progress? So I would argue that yes, we are making progress towards the goal. Um, but to let, I'm going to tie it into Andrew's point. How measurable is that progress? So we've had a lot of, a lot of great planning and a lot of great, architectural decisions and designs and okay this is the way we want to go this is what we want to engineer for the future so we've laid out a path for ourselves that that has success sitting at the end of it but how do i measure that actual progress Ugh, I, I don't know how i could measure it aside from anecdotally but i do think that we have made progress Andrew, this actually might even tie to the point that you and I were speaking of earlier, where you made the remark of whenever I get the question about actionable metrics or agile metrics, your first, I think you said your first response is I asked the question back, well, how are you measuring it today, right? Yeah, and it's it's always a, well, we don't. Well, okay, well, what, what do you want to start measuring? And I, I think it's it's less about the answer and more about the questions. How do we want to define progress? How do we want to define how, if our software to market is the way we want to measure it? That could be a part of it, but it shouldn't be the only part, right? And I think it's a, it's a powerful question that Andy asks around, you know, are we learning? And if we're not, no matter what we're doing, we're failing as an organization. If we're not learning from the experience of software development and how we're developing that software and our approaches, 
and constantly inspecting and adapting, then we're not learning. And, and we're just just sort of going through the motions. You might as well just hire a bunch of robots and program them. So measuring, favorite topic of mine. If we look at human-centered design, there's they simplify it. They, get, they gave you three lenses. Is what you're building desirable, feasible, and viable? And, and so back in the day, back in 2001, there were stage gates, right? We didn't have CI. We didn't have CD. And so I can understand how this principle emerged. You got to ship something to find out if your end users like it, if they can use it, if, if it is actually stable. But in today's time, here we are 15, 16 years later, how do we know, how do we measure through the lens of our end users if we're meeting their needs? But have, have we changed? Have companies changed to even accommodate that level of thinking? Are they even open to thinking that way? I think it's, it's something that I know I'm challenged with going into an organization. We think differently, in my mind anyway. How do we, how do we educate or influence the organization to think differently along those lines? I, th- I think that's a real challenge because Hell, you know, it's taken X amount of years, especially companies that have been in business for so long. Just, just like you said, Andy, it's, it's, you know, it's taken years and years and years to build how they do things and create those habits. It's going to take time to break those down and really focus on changing the outcome based upon asking different questions. So to your, to your point, Andy, you brought up the three adjectives were, correct me if wrong, desirable, feasible, and viable. Was that it? Yeah, that's it. Okay. So your your question was, can we deliver um, not working software and still get our hand on the customer's pulse and see how it works? Well, I'm going to tie it to a, an apropos example. We, you know, Andrew and I just finished interviewing Jurgen, talking about agility scales. And he was talking about how he the pro- product is an alpha and they have one customer already using it and working it through like a dry run. Well, that's technically working software in the sense that it probably does something, but it's far from quote unquote shippable to use another adjective that we like to throw around. But I think that that may be a good example of something where it's not final. It's pretty much kind of sort of working software, but he is getting a sense of is it viable? Is it feasibility? He's obviously already done that understanding. Is it desirable by putting a a real live customer on it? So I guess to answer your question, yeah, I think we can make – you can make demonstrable progress and deliver value short of working software. But to Andrew Left's point, it really does depend on what the culture is looking for because if they – if they want the chicken parm and they want the chicken parm and you deliver them the chicken and you say, okay, well, here's the chicken and we're almost done with the sauce. Where's my chicken parm? Well, I want to change it even further, right? So you come into my restaurant and you want the chicken parm and I deliver to you a picture, a PowerPoint of the chicken parm that we're going to produce, right? Because we've run out of chicken or parm and I'm going to say, you know, this is what the chicken parm would look like if we could actually get our shit together and ship it to you. Does that work? Is that the equivalent of a focus group? of a lo-fi PowerPoint? I don't know. That's a good, that's a good philosophical question. So, so I, I think, so, so there's this fear component. I, I hate this expression. We're going to use it because it's the only thing that's popping into my head right now is, Ooh, you know, I just like to eat the sausage. I don't want to know how it's made. 
but what's the fear in learning how it's made? You may not like it, or the, the user base may not like it, our customers may not like it, but should we be af- still be afraid to sort of show the process? If you use Apple as an example, which I'm sure I'll get a little bit of flack for, but you know they have their beta programs where literally you pay Apple to participate and you test their beta software for their next following up releases. And it's open to the public. Anyone can do this as long as you can pay for it. And you, you supply them with the information on how to improve their software. So for their, mo- their iOS versions, I mean, they release them constantly and they're constantly breaking people's phones. <laughs> but yet people are still wanting this to be a part of this because it, it gives you an avenue in you get to see how things develop and are made and you're part of it so i don't to me i don't understand why companies sort of shy away from that and are are afraid to engage their customer base so so lef is this a nuanced definition of what working software means It, it could be from apple's perspective it's software it works it's not perfect but they set that expectation up front. Mm-hmm. It's a beta, right? We, we throw beta on there. So, hey, to me, all software is a beta. So <laughs> literally, there's nothing perfect. So you're constantly engaging people to provide you with the feedback on where things are working or where things aren't and where the appetite is and what things people like and what things people don't. So uh, to me, it's a no-brainer. And it's, it's low cost, it, to some degree, I, I'm not. I'm not creating these expensive prototypes and creating these focus groups and testing those, and then all that work that I did to create that prototype and all that engagement with a user or focus group, all that time. You know, at the end, it might be, well, this sucks. Let's start over. Well, no, let's figure out what we can continue to use and continue to iterate and not try and eat the buffet all in one plate. I like that. So, so you have working software you're not calling it perfect software because there is no such thing. Um, there's some progress because you're, you're putting it out there and you're saying, okay, representative sample of end users, is this meeting your needs? And you get feedback and you iterate from there. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, I don't know, comical in my mind. It, it just seems so simple. It just seems like a simple thing to do. And, why, why organizations just don't want to go that route? I just, I struggle with that mentally just to try and understand there's nothing, what is, what piece of software has anyone ever said, oh my God, this is it. Never change because it is absolutely 100% perfect. iTunes. <laughs> As I'm sitting here on my PC with iTunes running, watching my task manager go through the ceiling. <laughs> but, but there's nothing. It does. It, it's a. It's a myth. There's no such thing as perfect software. Uh, to me, it's like stop setting the expectation that it's perfect. So let's let's see if we can call question one done. Why is this principle important? So I'm going to kick that to Jay to because. I always feed off of, of his uh, interesting point of view on that one. Plus, I like to put him on the spot. So I think this is important because the primary measure of progress, considering that the, the manifesto and the principles were written solely around software delivery, the primary measure of progress in any software system is working software. It's not 
test coverage. It's not deployments. It's not technical debt eliminated. It comes down to software in mind, working software. And that's why I think this is important. I would agree to, to some extent. And I think it, it's, yes, working software is important, but I think we need to define what working software means. True. What does that mean? So it, it needs to be apparent to, to what we're defining as working software and what we're willing to release to market and, and why. Why are we even doing this? So I'll toss this back to you, Lef. If you could rewrite this, here we are 16 years later in today's environment where stage gate releases is no longer the, the predominant method. What would you change about this principle, if anything? Man, that's a doozy. I don't know. I, maybe I'm not sure I would change it. I think the principle is still valid. I think we failed to understand what the principle is trying to imply by not truly understanding what workable software means. You wouldn't, you wouldn't potentially think about changing it. To, so instead of working software, maybe customer value. But, but if, if we're releasing software and we're not accounting for customer value, then we've already failed. But the principle says working software. And, and to pick up on, on, on Jay's point, you could be releasing crap that has no value and you'd think, making progress, check mark. And I guess if we take, which is somewhat of what we're doing, and, and maybe it's, it's <laughs> if we take each principle in, it, in its sort of individual statement, then, then yes, I, I, I tend to agree with you guys. But, but if we account for the mindset the principle is trying to guide us towards, I think that that is baked in. So if you look it into, into the holistic system of the 11, other 11 um, satisfying customers um, and you include this, you have a different perspective. Maybe this goes against sort of some of the conversation, but I don't think any one principle can be held on its own. I think they need to be bundled. I think it's a collection of of things that you you are built upon so that success criteria or at least defining that success criteria lies within each and every one so you need to be receptive to all of them it's like you you can't just be a little bit pregnant right you either are or you aren't so you're either abiding by or understanding all the principles or you're just missing the point what are the things that it take away from the whole package of the agile manifesto was that the idea was to reduce risk, to, to change the profile. Instead of taking 12 or 24 months to produce something that was a complete waste, that was a billion dollars down the hole, you reduce your risk profile. So how, do, how does that, how does this, the seventh principle, reduce our risk? And maybe that helps us unpack um, ways of understanding it more in today's environment? So that's an interesting question. I never looked at it as reducing risk, but I get it. To me, it's, it's around how do we accommodate change? So working software, should it, should, we should be building in how to accommodate change, which to me ties into reducing risk. So if we can adapt and change quicker, we can account for risk in a different way. 
Is that too, am I being too abstract? I have a tendency to do that when I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think I follow you. To Andy's, Andy, your point about how, does this help reduce risk? Well, it ties to Andrew, uh, Andrew Lepp's point about how all these principles need to be viewed together. You can't really just isolate one. So when I think, how does working software help reduce risk? So risk is binary, right? It either, it's either there or it isn't. And I th- I'm reminded of the podcast interview we did with uh, Tom and Mary Poppendick, where I think Mary was quoted as saying, "You want to deliver, you want to deliver so fast the customer can't change their mind, right?" So how does that tie to where I'm going with this? Well, if the customer can't change their mind and you're delivering quickly, that in a in a shortened time frame will show you is that. Is that what the customer is asking for and is what you're delivering, is it desirable? Is it viable? Obviously, it's feasible if you've delivered it. So I do think the consistent delivery of working software in short time periods does help reduce risk because it takes the uncertainty and fear out of the system because it, it forces you to confront it. And something we talked about before we hit record, which which is interesting, is how long it takes. So have we taken too long to, to release working software where the, the environment has changed or the appetite is now different? With as fast as things are moving, have we, have we actually increased the amount of risk because we've taken too long? Yeah. So I'm going to throw out a radical idea just for argument's sake because I like to do this kind of shit. Can we validate those radical ideas without writing a single line of code? You look at lean development, uh, lean software, lean plus agile, right? How quickly can you fail? And can you fail even faster? Or can you learn even faster without even investing in a single line of code? Can you validate your ideas? Can you get customer feedback it goes back to this idea that's contrarian to, I think, our core. Could you do a lo-fi prototype and see if there's a market for what you're planning? Me, it would be an absolute yes. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I try and encourage the organizations I work for to to stop with the you know pixel-perfect designs. Get to market with something. It doesn't have to be perfect. You know, we're, not, we're not pretending to put an ear, you know, earrings on a pig we're literally releasing the pig. Like it's ugly, but we're, we're not looking for you to, for the feedback. And again, I think it's setting the expectation. The feedback is on, Hey, is this, if this was, you know, what we said it was going to be, it's going to do this, 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 and this forget the way it looks, but here's what we're looking to have it. We're looking for it to do. Does it, do you like it? What would you change? <laughs> I'm so on the fence here. I come back to if I showed <laughs> Horsco a, a picture of the chicken parm that I would cook for it. If I only had a chicken, could I learn something from that? He might be, I, I mean, can we come up with scenarios where that would work in a restaurant scenario? You know, you know, I, I don't think the chicken parm should be green. Actually, it should probably be red. Can, yeah. can we minimize the risk of delivering the wrong chicken parm? I, I don't know. I don't have the answer. The restaurant situation is always interesting because if I come into the restaurant and I'm hungry and you give me a piece of paper, I'm still hungry. So if if it's going to to get me a plate of food, I'm going to give you answers 
because you're going to tell me, okay, after you give me some answers, I'm going to eat. But if I, if I never have the chance of eating, and I'm going to go to a different restaurant. All right. So let me change it, change the menu from chicken parm to the tilapia, because the, the picture might be, yes, we serve a whole fish, the head's on. That might, that might change scenarios in a sense, because I bring out a picture of the entire fish with the eyes up on the plate, looking up at, at Jay, and, and Jay says, uh, could you fillet that for me first? Because <laughs> I don't like to eat things with eyes looking at me. That's a, that's, a, that's a good way to change the analogy, though, because it's then the answer then becomes, well, it truly is situational. Right. And the picture of the chicken parm may not get me, may not get you insight, may not get you fast feedback, but a picture of a fish on a plate that's not even filleted, I have to debone myself, that definitely will get you feedback. Because if I'm, to Angel's point, if I'm hungry, I may say, ah, screw it, just give me the fish, a fork. Or I may say, get that thing away from me, did you even kill it yet? So, so I throw out there if, if we could change this at all, if we were at liberty to um, look at principle seven, working software. Is the primary measure of progress. I, I'm reminded of the values from Modern Agile, experimentation, delivery of end-user value. You're hungry, you want to eat, but but you don't want to take time to debone the fish. One thought comes. You may not know how, though. So one thought is it's about experimentation and learning for the kitchen being the primary measure of progress. Understanding the what the end user really values could be a primary measure of progress. And, and and the experiment could be end users, aka eaters or diners, don't like to debone their food. They want it done for them. But they also don't like you to chew their food and spit it in their mouth. That's a little too much. In all, in all seriousness, have either of you guys ever been in a restaurant where they serve you the whole fish and they expect you to debone it? It's like unreal to me i actually ask is this thing filleted or are you going to give it to me and make me debone it because i got served a rainbow trout once and they had eyes and i was like eh, can i get a hamburger usually they debone it at the table for you no i got the whole thing <laughs> and i'm assuming you never went back there again uh, granted it was in a, it was in a foreign country and no i never went back even if given the, even when given the opportunity but yeah it's but you learned something yeah don't order rainbow trout in Canada. There you go. <laughs> and, and so did the restaurant. Don't don't give Jay a table. <laughs> yeah, and somewhere somewhere Jason Little is looking at his computer, just screaming, <laughs> <laughs> "What part of Canada?" And he's calling the the, the immigration people and say, "Put a flag on Horskow," <laughs> which won't work because there's no way anybody spells my last name right. So yeah, it'll work. <laughs> All right. So a couple of final questions. Challenging our listening audiences um, regarding this principle, working software, primary measure of progress. Um, what do you guys throw out there? So I would say, and I'll go first, uh, Mr. Leff. Um, I would say the challenge to our users is look at your current, look at how you currently judge your progress, how you do your status reports. You know, Andy, we've done the whole watermelon conversation, green on the outside, red on the inside. Um what is what are you currently measuring your progress as now? And are you doing something along the lines of working software that delivers customer value? Are you just counting features and stories? Are you counting uh, hours worked, resource burn, burn ups? Um, that's my challenge. Look at 
Look at how you're currently measuring your progress and does it tie to the working code you're delivering, especially if you're in software delivery? And if not, how do you how do you start the conversation to center it on working software as the measure of progress? Andrew. Kind of agree with what Jay was saying is, is throwing down the gauntlet there is the question. But to add on to that is if you are measuring, I would love to know what you're measuring. <laughs> and the second part of that is, you know, is it working? So if you have, if you're measuring working software as the sole metric, how's that working? Is that providing value to the organization in their eyes? So really, what's your internal evaluation of working software? And what's the external feedback as far as what you deemed was working software? So how are you baselining it? And where are you getting your, you know, where do you believe the, the feedback is more valuable? So internally, if it's, hey, we released, great. As I think Andy said it earlier, you know, you, we, we wanted turkey and you gave us a frozen, you served us frozen turkey. Well, you never told us that, you know, you had to cook it. But the customer said he wanted cooked turkey, can't eat frozen. So I'd be curious to hear that. Seven swans is swimming. If you had to redo this in the Agile mindset, Jay, how would you rephrase it? <sighs> On the seventh day of Christmas, my mentor gave to me a seven. Usually I have a witty remark right off the top of my head. I don't have one for this one. Yeah, the first on the seventh day of Christmas, my mentor gave to me seven, seven softwares, <laughs> seven software swearing. <laughs> um, I think we're going to leave this in in post-production. Yeah, I would definitely leave it in. Hopefully somebody has a better suggestion. I'm coming up empty on this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Left, your turn. Rescue us. Seventh day of Christmas. Seven stakeholders <laughs> singing praises of working software. I, I, I don't know that, that that's uh, I don't, or just as bad. Um, it's a tough one. I, I'm going to try to save us here. I'm going to I'm going to come in and, and jump off the bench. And based on some of the things we talked about earlier, in, instead of seven swans of swimming, I want seven teams of learning. Yeah, it's perfect. There you go. Oh, I like it. Keep those martinis flowing. <laughs> so you let you let Andrew and I just throw ourselves on the yeah, field. Really. I see just... how this works. <laughs> see, it's great when you're the host. You can set everybody up and then knock them down. I, I'm going to rewrite this one as experimentation and learning is the primary measure of progress. Well, you have suffered through yet another agile uprising podcast this is number seven in the series there's uh if i can do my math right five more to go uh if you've enjoyed this please support us by subscribing to our podcast leaving a review on itunes giving us a a, a flaming comment that um, stimulates a lot of attention um, ratings and comments really help others find us Finally, um, share your experiments, share your, your ideas, share if, in fact, you are actually shipping working software. Make Jay feel just so embarrassed. <laughs> Jay, Jay, how many days has uh, it been? If I'm picturing the whiteboard correctly, 882. 
882 days. Is that a personal best? Uh, I blew uh, my previous record. I have totally just destroyed. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, the book. When I make the book announcement, it'll be via podcast, and the title is gonna fit. And it just makes the book easier to sell the longer that streak keeps going. What's the title? The Sprint to Nowhere. <laughs> Beautiful. And on that note, this is the Agile Uprising signing out.